Second Samuel chapter 19, and I'm reading several portions today from the NIV. We'll switch back and forth a little bit just for a few words of clarity here. I often promote, but I'll say this again. I memorized the King James Version, and yet sometimes for a little bit of public clarity of a few words I might use uh, some other version just to to uh, give a clarity or insight so 2nd Samuel chapter 19 and verse number 40 it's an obscure moment I would submit rarely covered in uh, in the pulpit. When the king crossed over to Gilgal, Kimham crossed with him. All the troops of Judah and half the troops of Israel had taken the king over. Soon all the men of Israel were coming to the king and saying to him, why did our brothers, the men of Judah, steal the king away? Bring him and his household across the Jordan River. Why did they do that with his men? Men of Judah, of course, they did not like that response, so they answered the men of Israel, we did this because the king is closely related to us. He's of our tribe, in other words. Why are you angry about it? Have we eaten any of the king's provision? Have we taken anything for ourselves? Well, then the men of Israel, they weren't content. They answered the men of Judah. We have ten shares in the king, which could be, it's not declared specifically, uh, because Israel would have of the tribes so what they're saying is we have the majority of the people we represent and besides we have a greater claim on David than you have which is probably not true so why do you treat us with contempt were we not the first to speak of bringing back our king now that could have been true but the men of Judah responded even more harshly than the men of Israel I'll just read the, the, the first verse of the next chapter, and I'll only read the first stanza. So this is a conflict going on. Here's 2 Samuel chapter 1, uh, chapter 20, verse 1a. Now a troublemaker named Shabbat, son of Bikri, a Benjamite, happened to be there. Another version says, then there came a troublemaker. Amen. It's a, it's a wonderful way to start our Sunday morning. And I'm compelled by the Spirit today to minister, and I hope that the Lord will help me do that. And I speak today that His presence, the King, it's enough. And I hope we'll believe that. And everyone said in Jesus' name.
Now just lift your hand as a sign of praise to God and just say, I love you. I worship you. You are more than enough for my life. (laughs) Oh, yes. Thank you. Blessing and honor, power and might and strength. Amen. Now put your Bibles down with your voices and your hands and your heart. Give God whatever you feel like he's worthy. may be seated in Jesus' name. It was a tumultuous time. The kingdom had suffered a coup, son against father. It left the people with divided loyalties, every coup has those same identifiable features. Absalom took what did not belong to him and he did it at the cost of the nation. David, his father, fled rather than fight his own son. From Proceeding narratives of the scripture, many of David's own men mused at the king's decision not to fight. But in the end, Absalom died. He was caught by his hair in a low-hanging tree. His image became his demise. Yet the heart of David was not appeased to hear of his death. Rather, David mourned the loss of his own son. Such grief is too profound to consider. But like in time past, David rose from his sorrow and made his way back to his anointed and appointed position. And now he's on his way back to Jerusalem, which will require him to pass over the Jordan River it may be one of the Bible's most significant and well-kept crossings. The scripture states that the people of Judah came to meet David, the men, and to escort him back to their capital city. It must have been a sigh of relief, a pleasant sight for sure, to see the king. There he was. Everyone so happy about it. After all that time of turmoil, of angst and anger, They finally found their calm as the men of Judah ushered David back home. There is no mention, however, of jubilation. It was not a parade or some celebration. It was not a moment of rejoicing. There were no dancing men and women or ram's horns echoing in the galleries. The dust had finally settled and David's return was their collective comfort. The scripture will showcase other notable moments. So much good is taking place in those shallow waters at that very time. Of all things, a man named Shammai will ask for forgiveness. 
I'll move past his deeds only to say that at the banks of the Jordan, there was repentance, renewal, placement, and peace. Hope was there. A stay of judgment was found there. And there were other moments too, which I will not expound, only to say that the scenes of resolution were imminent and apparent. And yet, with all things settled and now finally still, some of the people complained. They were the men of Israel and they showed up late and they were upset because they were not included in the transferring of the king. The men of Israel took issue against the men of Judah. Of all things, after all they went through, a major argument ensued. A foolish and trivial conflict took place among them. Because like many people, they just would not be content with the beauty of the moment or the presence of the king. So they bickered and they quarreled. On the heels of that moment, when Absalom had put the nation into peril and what he put the nation through and now at the advent of the anointed king of Israel they opposed each other what should have been a sober and spiritual consolation that the presence of the king had crossed the Jordan River it now became a a high tension area of contempt among them and to make matters worse the Bible says that a man came into play I'll read it from the Bible there happened to be a troublemaker. Everything is about to come together. It's all working toward their good. They will have recovered the king and the kingdom. The tribes are almost in alliance. The Philistines, their arch rivals, are at the very least held at bay. Israel's other regional enemies have yet to form any cohesive front. But they just could not be content with peace. And it left the door open for a man named Shabbat. There came a troublemaker. Shabbat, the troublemaker. Always and forever, a troublemaker. It's almost always someone inside the house that causes the conflict. It's always someone inside the body, which Paul might refer to as, and I quote, a false brother. He looks like a brother. He enters like a brother. He speaks like a brother, but he's not a brother. He's a troublemaker. (laughs) Because when the body is in conflict, doors are open to spirits and personalities which are designed to divide us. Look at the moment. The significance of the Jordan River. It's incredible if you look at the Jordan River. If you'll just scour your Bible and look through the moments of the Jordan River, which David will cross, look through the lens of God's divine order and his structure. You will see what is perhaps one of the most critical, prophetic, and repetitive moments of ministries, miracles, and precedent-setting locations. They happened at the Jordan River. Jesus was baptized of John there. Divine exampleship points toward baptism for all of us. Naaman, the leper, he's dying of an incurable disease. He was healed when he dipped seven times in those same waters. And the magnitude of God's perfection producing healing of the Gentile, it points to the inclusion and the healing of all of us. The grafted branch healed and brought into the vine through baptism. Joshua, the consulate, the servant of Moses, the consummate man who came to him, 
would take the reins of leadership. But first, he had to have his own dry land crossing. Moses had the Red Sea, but Joshua had the Jordan River. And when they held the Ark of the Covenant, the waters rolled back. It was the hand of the Most High God as a witness that Joshua was indeed the anointed man of the Lord. And now David is about to cross those same waters, that same river, Jordan. The wonder of it lay bare for all of them to see. But some of the people became so fixated on exclusion and treatment that they thwarted the blessing of the coming king and they forgot that the presence of the king was there and then to make matters worse their insults and accusations between one another opened the door to this no account Shabbat the troublemaker it gave him room to walk right into the midst of them and offer a baseless claim and all of a sudden they pushed the implode button Things are going so well. It's going so good, but they could not have it good. So they led themselves right off the cliff and pushed the implode button. And a single word, they were discontent. Because when the enemy cannot lead the church into sin, he'll just lead us into division. I've come to preach the word now today. When the devil cannot get you to sin willfully, he'll cause you to question everything. And you'll you'll read of the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast, which the book of Revelation calls 666 is the number of man. But that's not the mark I'm I'm worried about. The, The mark I'm worried about happened in the first part of Genesis when the devil questioned and he put a question mark. The question mark is the is the mark I'm really worried about. Did God say? You might be fixated on the mark of the beast, but I'm warning about the question mark. Because when the enemy comes in, he brings with him trouble, but he has no way to come in unless we are discontent. Not enough. I just don't have enough. I'm left out unrecognized, unappreciated, forgotten, dismissed, not valued, uncared, uncaring, I wish there was more, never had, always behind. You ever seen discontent? You ever seen it on someone's face? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you in one word, Botox. Not happy. Not happy. Bottom one's usually pretty good. The top one's not where you want it to be. I've done some deep sea diving. I've seen a fish. If I didn't know better, that puppy had some implants. You, 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 you just think, you just think, well, that's just what people, and I'll tell you what that is. That's called being discontent and not happy with yourself, not happy with how God made you. And we're all just getting accustomed to all this mess. And all of a sudden we become discontent about the Lord. We forgot you're in the presence of the King is the presence of the Lord. Not enough for you. You got to answer for yourself. And the only way you answer is rapport from your soul. Mm 
You see, all those questions, those are the seeds of the enemy when, when contentment cannot be found and they swing wide the gate for a troublemaker to walk through. And I'm not talking about just about a person, but about a spirit and it levies distrust and disbelief. And the Bible says this about Shabbat. He, and I quote, hath lifted up his hand against the king. The Bible says that Shabbat, and I quote, blew a trumpet and said, we have no part in David, neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man has his own tent, O Israel. And here was his introduction. Then came a troublemaker to which I respond, well, you don't say. Some folks just love drama. They cannot stand peace. They argue over the most foolish things when they have everything to be thankful for. And the voice of the complainer is like a red flare calling for the spirit of division to come to the scene. So may I be so bold enough to say to everyone, whether in sickness or in pain or in loss or uncertainty, we still have it good. You still have the Holy Spirit. You still got the Holy Ghost. I've got Jesus and he's enough. You better get on this train. You've got him and he's enough. Stop acting like you're missing out on something. If you've got the king in your life, you've got enough. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got more than enough. One of the classes that I took when I was young was testimony class because people would stand up and testify. And one of the testimonies that someone would always give in testimony service was the Lord has given me something to praise him about. They would say how good God was. And now as I get a little older, everybody got excited about that. I want to say he gave you something to praise about long before you've got the victory. He gave him you himself. You don't have to wait for a great thing to happen. He is the great thing. You don't have to wait for a great miracle. He is the great miracle. So if you're waiting for something out of the ordinary to happen, you're waiting too long. Right now is the time. He's enough. The king is in the house. That's enough. I'll just submit this to you. If Jesus is not enough right now, nothing is ever going to satisfy you. If he's not enough right now, you're never going to be content. If the Holy Ghost is not enough for you right now, you're always going to be at angst and wondering what's going on in my life. you got to have a recognition. The Lord God Almighty has invested himself inside of you. Yes. I'm in the scripture now. The men of Israel, they wanted recognition. They, They wanted inclusion even though they showed up late. They wanted to be a part. They were angry that they missed something. But instead of rejoicing over their resolution to the nation's crisis, and instead of saying, thank you, God, for restoring David to the throne, and praise God that all this chaos and debauchery that Absalom has caused is now over. Instead of all of that, they were filled with contention and discord and dispute, discontent. Because they were in dispute, they opened the door for both the vision and the accuser. 
And I tell you today that always and forever the church will face spiritual forces. There are numerous outside spiritual darknesses that are at war. But the enemy within is much more destructive than the enemy without. Look back. The children of Israel were discontent when Moses went up to Mount Sinai. And so in very short time, they pressed Aaron to make for them a golden calf to worship. Moses was gone a total of 40 days. But in between that time, the people quickly acted as if they didn't even know Moses. And they said, and I quote, as for this fellow Moses, we don't even know what happened to him. As if he was nothing. They could not, they would not just wait and be patient. Discontent. No peace. And I'm looking at a religious community in this nation which touts scriptures, but they miss the meaning of it. Let me read the scripture. Here's the scripture. But I'm going to read it without the meaning. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You can? You, you can? That's nice. Well, what does that mean? You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength? What can you do? What, what things? What exactly does that mean? Because it matters that all things can be done. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So we better put this in, into context. We have to put verse 13 into context. Get ready. Are you ready? Because lots of folks are going to get messed up about right now. Because we just like pulling out of verses of the Bible and just slapping it on our refrigerator. And then we're upset. Things are not working out. We like put them all. I, I see these things, decals on cars. I can do all things. And the, and the word I is in big bold. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Little Jesus Christ, big I, little you, big me. Even if they do the whole scripture, they don't know it because they took it out of context. So let's just put in the scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Back up a little bit, verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. You, you wanted to do something for me. You just didn't have the opportunity. Verse 11, not that I speak of in respect of want, for I have learned. <sighs> in whatsoever state I am, I had to learn this. Now, you don't know, but you don't learn this in the easy way. This is something you can't learn from me or from a book. You got to learn it for yourself. And whatever state I am in, therewith to be content. Whatever the circumstance might be, I've had to learn. I had to go through a schooling. It took time, but I've had to learn how to be content. And now we get to find out what Paul was talking about when he said, I can do all things through Christ. Are you ready? Here's what you can do through Christ. I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things. Whew, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. 
I know how I know what it's like to be in need and I know what it's like to have plenty and I've learned the secret of being content in every situation whether I'm fed or whether I'm hungry whether I'm whether I'm living in plenty or I'm dying in want I can do all things I can do it now let's put it into perspective I can be hungry through Christ which strengthens me I can be depleted because he's going to give me strength. I can be low and kicked to the curb because I've learned how to be content in whatever state I'm in. How did you learn that? I'll tell you how I learned that because I've got Jesus on my side because the presence of the most high God, he walks with me. You ought to clap your hands unto the Lord. See, to be content is a treasure you give yourself. It's your own, it's, this is the way you anoint yourself with an ointment the ointment of contentment brings peace to your life but when you say I deserve better I deserve to be treated better than that no you don't or, or do you don't or do you despise Jesus Christ he wasn't treated better I deserve a break today. And the answer to the break is a happy meal. And the happy meal, well, it'll clog your arteries, but you're happy. It'll do damage to your body, but you're happy. I don't remember the man's name, and if I did, I really won't. Want, don't want to promote him, but he decided to take a, a, a dare, and for 30 days he recorded himself several years ago eating nothing but McDonald's food, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. His intestinal tract was forever messed up. He is in horrible pain, and he never recovered. And uh, he, he's t- tough time digesting food. He has had multiple surgeries. I just want you to know that. You want to be happy, looking around at other people being happy, and you're wondering why you're not happy. The reason why you're not happy is because you forgot that you're a child of the king, and you started thinking about happiness in terms of what you have in your hands and what kind of home you have, and the springs in your couch are sticking through the fabric, and you're, you're saying, I deserve better than this. No, you do not deserve better than that. 
What you've got is greater than all of the fine things that the world can offer, but you didn't rejoice in the Lord because you, you keep thinking, man, I, 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 I thought I had something better, and there is no satisfaction, and you're never fulfilled, and you always want more, and there's never enough, and you're feeling like you're missing out on something. I want to tell you, you're not missing out on anything. You're in a preparation moment to get to the, to get to the, the place where the sun is not there because the light, the lamb of, of the Lord is the light. And and be, and there's a streets of gold and there's mansion and if you're just living down here just to get ahead a little bit you're living for the wrong reason the king of all of the world the king of kings has walked into this house and all you've got to do is just recognize him and say hey I don't care if I showed up late and I don't care if I've got everything together here enough for me Now listen, I, I, I'm, I'm patriotic, so I don't want you to get confused. Some of you are going to miss that. I'm patriotic, but I'm feeling less like an American every day. I want to I actually, actually adopt the words, this world is not my home. We used to sing it, but we didn't believe it. I'm just passing through. My treasures are not here. They're laid up somewhere. They're not here. You're not going to see my treasures here. This world is not my home. You got to say it. This world is not my home. I'm thankful for the, I'm thankful for our country. I'm thankful that we have the moment, but I'm feeling less and less attached to this place. The Lord taught this lesson, but maybe we've missed it. And I'm convinced that, oh, please listen. That anxiety, I I felt impressed of the Lord to speak this. That anxiety and depression and other emotional issues and duress are rising because fewer people are content. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper than to dwell in the tents. I'd rather be a nobody than to have notoriety. I'd rather... I'd rather just hold the door and be bypassed and people look past me. Is that how we feel? We have to learn that whatever state we're in, I can do it. I can go through it because he's going to give me strength. Whatever state you're in, you got to learn I'm content here. Let's just hear what the Lord said. Matthew 6. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Listen, if you, if, if you wear platform shoes or high heels, that's only temporary. I, I'm waiting for them to come back. <laughs> it's going to come around. Only on Saturday night, but it's going to come. And why take ye thought for clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. 
And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, I love quoting Jesus, the red letters. Because people, some folks only love red letters. He did not speak in red letters. And the Bible was not written color-coded. But just in case you're just a red-letter believer, this is specifically for you. This is what Jesus said. Take no thought, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to have? Where are our clothes? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father, he knows what you have need of. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All those other things will be added unto you. They're coming. Take no thought for the moral. Tomorrow, it has its own set of issues. Evil will be there. Struggle will be there. You live in the moment and thank God that you're here. See, I'm preaching today for a healing of the heart. Because my joy comes from the confidence in the Lord. And my strength comes from knowing that Jesus is going to carry me through. And just in case you misread the word that I preached, let me just tell you, you do have to work. And you have to have good work ethic. But if you're going to strive, we need to strive for the kingdom. And if you're going to press, press for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And if you're going to seek anything, seek the kingdom of God. And if you're going to boast of anything, make it about the goodness of the Lord. But by all means, do not waste your, thing, your life on things that do not matter. And do not squander your emotions on things that you cannot change. That is not our American way. We are in a rat race, too much going on to pray, too much going on to study or to go to Bible class, too much work too much work on days of worship, too many bills to pay, too many jobs to complete. We're running from thing to thing, comparing our lives to some vain external thing, dismissing the desire of the Lord. And the moment that we start striving for things that are not of God, that's the moment we open the door to division and a troublemaker comes right in. And Paul put it this way. Are you ready? Paul said, but godliness with contentment. First Timothy 6, 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. I'll read it again so they can put it on the board. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain you can carry nothing out. And I don't care how much stuff they put in your casket with you. If it's a lot of stuff, we'll wait for a few years and dig you back up. <laughs> I, I saw somebody, they, they said, well, I don't know. We're going to put all this stuff in the casket. Dad wanted all this stuff. Why? What, what are you, like an Egyptian pharaoh? You want all those things in your casket? You're not taking that with you? You're not taking that with you. Your body is going to decay and rot. 
You're not, I don't know what you think you're taking out. You carry nothing in, you carry nothing out. Right now, you got the presence of the Most High God. You got to learn how to be content. You want to know how great gain is? Gain is not your bank account. Gain is not your car. Gain is not your, your position or your popularity. But godliness with contentment, that's great gain. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help you with something because what I feel like I'm trying to flush out the American mindset and it's counterculture. Paul, Hebrews wrote it like this, verse thir- chapter 13, verse 5, let your conversation be without covetousness. Oh, I wish I had that. I wish we could have something like that and be content with such things as you have. Do you know what you have? If you need a visual, you've got the church. You got a place. If you need to have a, if you need to have an emotional response, you have opportunity. That's, that's greater than most of the nations in the world. They don't have opportunity. They don't have a way to cry and dance and shout. This is what Solomon said. I feel I'm on something right here and I'm feeling in the spirit. I'm fighting something right here because you are already resisting me because you're trying to use scripture against scripture. And what your spirit is rising up and say, well, pastor, the Bible says if I don't provide for my family, it's worse, worse than an infidel. Yes, but your provision for your family has denied your worship in the Lord. You don't use scripture against scripture. You're to find the very act of God. You do not do, let everything be established by, by two or more witnesses. And the scripture, I'll tell you what comes first. It's not your job. It's not your career. It's, it's not your family. It's not your wife or your husband. It's the Lord that comes first. He comes first. Uh, no. gotta get come on let's get on back let's get on back the king walked in the king is crossing over it's a pivotal moment the lord has come in and what are you saying well i wish somebody would have told me i'm gonna tell the grandfather here you've got some grandchildren in the house you should say thank you lord i'm gonna, I'm gonna say to a mama here Okay, so your boys aren't living right? We all know. You cool cats think you're incognito? You're not. We know. We ain't dumb. You ain't hiding. We got you. We know. Don't mistake the hug for approval. The hug is love. (laughs) We know. We know you're not right, but you didn't, you didn't get it. You, you, didn't, you didn't understand. But see, you showed up. Guess what I am? I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> what you don't understand is you just walked into the presence of the king. And Jesus can do anything when you get in his presence. I'd rather you be a hypocrite and come to Sunday than be true to yourself and never show up. Because I just believe that the mercy and the grace of the most high God and the blood of Jesus can do things nobody can do. 
I'm just counting on one of these days. The spirit will get a hold of you and you'll recognize, oh, Jesus just walked in here. Yes. Yes. So if you're a mama or a grandfather, you ought to say, thank you, Lord. I'm learning right now. I'm going to praise him because he's in the house and I'm going to be thankful. Uh, I want to, um, I'm I'm not, I'm not out of that yet. (laughs) Cause you're going to get into your car. And the engine's going to miss. Dad bought a used Granada. Silver Granada with a red, um, it wasn't leather, but a red top. And the manifold slipped. Whatever it was, I don't know. And the steering wheel shook. And you drive down the road and the steering wheel would go up and down like that. I convinced the girl to go on a date. We'd have, I, didn't, I didn't have a ride. I said, my mom, can I borrow your car? Sure, no problem. Walked out. It was that day before the driver's seat had broken and it, and it wouldn't stay up. So my dad took a chain link, connected it to the back of the seat, to the top of the car. It only had an AM radio station. If you wanted to listen to music, you listened to big band sound old Benny Goodman stuff. I'll tell you right now, it'd have been better to walk. <laughs> yeah, you pick, you pick her up and that thing, come on. Get me. Uh-huh. I'll tell you right now, though, it didn't matter to me, really. I, I got kicked out of it. I mean, I was used to it, but it didn't matter. Duct tape and different things, different places. You don't have a ride. Uh, You can't go anywhere. (laughs) You just go with it. Don't worry about it. Fact matter is, the new car didn't make you better. And the old car didn't make you worse. But in your mind, you look around and you think, well, why do they get that? You don't know how to be content. Why, do, why are they in health? And I've been, I've been eating all the good food and they got mounds of McDonald's. And I'm struggling in health-wise and and I've been eating pinto beans and you know, bacon everything. And they're just eating all the junk food, Doritos, and Oreos, Mountain Dew. 
Is this hurting you right now? And I've been, I'm working out. They haven't even got off the couch. I can't keep the weight off and they don't gain any. Why, why me? And you start looking around. Why do I? And you don't know. And then you go through trouble in your life that you didn't ask for. And God allows you to go through something. In fact, he might usher you into that. You're thinking real temporal. Well, why am I going? It might be that he's. He's trying to save your eternal soul. And the only way for you to be saved eternally is for you to struggle temporarily. Now, you don't want to hear that from the preachers now. You want to hear that all you have to do is give a thousand dollars and we'll just put some oil on it. And you're, you're just going to be, you're going to be in health and you have a lot of money. That's not in the scripture either. Jesus has seen his disciples and he's already risen from the grave and, and, and they come to the shore. He's been there waiting for him. He's already cooking. He already, he's already made some bread and he's got a fire going. They all get on the shore. He makes them food. He makes them the dinner, put some fish. He prepares it. And while he's preparing it, he looks at Peter and he tells Peter what kind of death that you're going to suffer. And Peter's not content with the news that he's going to die and suffer. And he points over and he says, well, what about John? Because we like everything to be fair. Oh, man. That's called equity. We want things to be... That's called equality. We want anything. Everyone fair. No. Some of us are going to suffer. But you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. Some are going to be abounding and some are going to be abased. But you can do all things through, that strength, through Christ that strengthens you. Some of you are going to be in need and in want. But you can do all things through Christ. Because whatever state I found myself in, I'm learning to be content. Hey, I got to die. What about John? What's going to happen to John? Why did John? Why aren't you talking to John? And Jesus says to Peter, are you ready? What is it to thee if he tarry till I come? What is it to you? You've got me, Peter. Don't worry about what's going to happen to John. You've got me. I'm going to show you what you're going to suffer, suffer. Here, here's for, the, for my cause. You're going to suffer it for my cause. It's going to be about me and you, not about John. I just want everyone to know the king is enough. The presence of God is enough. I want you to clear your brain and your mind and say, I don't care what anyone else is doing. It's about me and the Lord. I got to please God. I'm learning how to be content. I'm going to learn how to function in the Holy Ghost. I'm coming in. It doesn't matter if a great thing has happened. You are the great thing. I don't, Lord, I'm not here to praise you because of what you've done. I'm here to praise you because of just simply your presence is here. Yes, I thank you for all the things that you have done and what you shall do. But I'm not waiting for the things that you will do. I'm waiting for you, Lord. And if you come in, it's enough for me. I, I want to end, but I can't because I got I to gotta talk to a couple of people here. Your marriage is in trouble, and their marriage is in trouble because you're not, you've never learned how to be content. 
you can't learn how to be content with one another and with what you have. You're in debt and you keep digging the hole further. You know why? Because you've not learned how to be content with what you have. Yeah. Let me, let me do this again. You're struggling. It's not the absence of love. It's the advent of division because you're discontent. And if you learn how to be content, you'll find your peace. And there's nothing more valuable than peace. People take millions of pills, billions of pills a day all around the world trying to find peace. They take sleeping medication because they can't get any rest and no peace. And you can turn off the light, but you can't turn off your brain. And the Lord said, I'm going to give you the comforter and the spirit of peace is going to come for comfort you. That's the Holy Ghost. You've got to say, I've got the Holy Ghost. You don't need a pill. You need a time of praise. I got to tell the church we are over medicated. We're relying upon things that are disturbing us and messing us up. And we got to get back to the word of God. And we've got to say, Lord, you are enough. Your grace is sufficient for me. Your strength is made perfect in my weakness. Now, I know I'm not going to help every married couple because you've been doing this a long time. In fact, you're not happy unless you are unhappy. You're not happy unless there's drama and conflict and all that mess. But I'm going to help somebody else here today. And it might be that you're a newlywed or you're about to get married. Let me just tell you, if you can find contentment, it don't matter what you're driving or where you're living or what your clothes are or what your position is. If you can just find your contentment, there's the greatest gain. And if you can put some godliness in there and contentment in there, you mix those things up, you'll be so far ahead, farther than anyone else around you. And it doesn't matter what you think they've got going on. If they Listen, there's a lot of people with a lot of stuff, but they're discontent. And they're thinking that their stuff will make them more content. That's not how the church was meant to live. I'll tell you where our contentment is. It's in Christ Jesus. Here's here's what Solomon said. Solomon said in chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, he has made everything beautiful in his time. And in time, he's going to make everything right. Here's what you say. Thank the Lord for that old Granada with the AM radio station and the steering wheel with the palsy and the big chain because it got me from my house to the restaurant and back again and I have almost forgotten I don't even remember who was in the car with me but I do remember the car but I do remember the pizza, Saulus. <laughs> we went to Saulus restaurant. Man, the pizza, the big black olives. Oh, man, that was so wonderful. I didn't even care who I was on a date with. Let's just go to Saulus. Don't eat too much. I ain't got a lot of money, but let's have some pizza. 
a little Italian salad, a big black olives, and let's go back. And we just, we'll just, we'll just sing Benny Goodme all the way home, big band sound, and we'll just get back. It's going to be wonderful. You just you feel like you're in a massage chair the whole time. Just you're a wreck, but man, it was a good time. Here I am thinking back on that, and I'm thinking, praise God. I, I don't want to be caught up in this world trying to run after all the fashions of the world. You're never gonna, you're never gonna be fashionable enough. You're never gonna be in the in crowd. I'm gonna tell you right now, whatever you just bought at the store, you're already out of fashion. You don't have enough vogue in you to keep keep track of all the world. But I'll tell you what, if you've got Jesus, that's enough. We used to sing, I've got Jesus and that's enough. He's enough. His presence is enough. You ought to walk in and say, I may not have all the world, but I've got the Lord. I'm witnessing the Lord making a transfer. We're going to get from this side to that side. He's brought me out. He's bringing me out. Here's what I want us to do as a church. We're going to rejoice when other people succeed. I'm going to talk to you. Because your failure to applaud will garnish you nothing but contempt. We're going to be in the business of rejoicing over the success of other people and whatever the accomplishment. Because the complimentary person never pushes themselves down. When you're lifting someone else up, you're not less than you were before. Amen. We're going to work and we're going to grow where we are. Lost souls are not 2,000 miles away. They're right where you live. There are 60,000 people that if they're not saved, they're going to hell. They live in your city. There's 103,000 in the greater Vigo County. There's 128,000 in the surrounding counties that connected to our church that's in a short distance drive. You got a work to do. So if you're saying, well, I, I don't know where my place in the church is. Your place in the church is to be a witness in the community. Amen. And then we're going to trust the Holy Ghost. He's going to lead us and guide us. Because for a child of God, discontentment is the absence of trust in the Lord. Oh, man. I hope you're taking notes in your heart. You ought to ask God for joy, and then you ought to display it in your everyday life. And when you come in and the singers start to lead us in worship, you just say, I'm thankful that I'm here. And you put away all the junk and all the stuff in your brain, in your mind. You say, thank you, Lord, the presence of God is here. And if you don't feel him, then why don't you welcome him? I'll tell you how you welcome him with your hands lifted and your heart open and you're magnifying God and you're giving him praise and you're rejoicing in the Lord. And if you want to lead anybody, then lead in contentment. Otherwise, everybody that's around you will think that they're missing out on something. You got to know God and his anointing in your life. And you got to never stop learning. I'm learning how to be content in whatever state I'm in. And if you say, Pastor, I'm struggling, well, take the lesson, learn. You got to learn it for yourself. I cannot teach you that. But I can teach you this. 
the Lord is coming. The Lord is here. I'm so glad you're here, Lord. I'm so glad you're in the house today, Lord. Thank you for being in my heart today, Lord. Oh, the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is here. And when the presence of the Lord comes in the room, he solves everything. He calms everything. He restores everything. That's why when someone receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's also a good time for someone to be healed. Because the Lord does not compartmentalize his goodness. When he comes in, in fact, the Bible says they were all healed of all the diseases. He didn't just say, I'm just going to heal the leper. He healed the cancer, the blinded eyes at the same time. When the Lord comes in, all of his goodness sweeps. The victory of the Lord is in the house. What's my role? Your role is to welcome him and say, thank you. I'm so glad. If you showed up late, it's okay. You say, thank you, Lord. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad I got to see you. You're, in the, you're on the throne. I'm putting you on the throne. I'm making you the Lord of my life. You're, on the, you're the king of my heart and the king of my life, and you are the Lord of the church. Now, we're going to learn how to be content, but only if we want it and desire it. And here's how we start. We rejoice in the Lord. The God of our salvation. You wanted a complex formula, but I'll just give you the scripture. He's the God of our salvation. You tell your husband, you tell your wife, thank you for marrying me. Thank you, Tammy, for marrying me. Thank you. I'm I'm privileged. When you were not in your seat and you were ministering to people, I looked over, didn't see you. Then I saw you and I felt good. I'm glad that the Lord gave us the church. I'm thankful for the body of Jesus Christ. I love the church. I love the people in the church. You're my family. You're my brother and my sister. You're the mothers of the church. You're the fathers of the church. That's right. I'm glad and grateful for my brother, my older brother, Scotty. My hero, my childhood hero. I was so proud when Scott preached his first sermon. He quoted 30 or 40 verses in his sermon. He was a profound Bible quizzer. He taught us how to pray. Scott started prayer meeting when he was 17. He prayed hour in the basement of the church. I'd be with him for at least at least three or four minutes. <laughs> and I'd just watch him. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that the Lord has given us this house of worship and time. I want to say, thank you, Lord. I'm content. I'm striving for the kingdom, but I'm content. Whether high or low, whether in need or in want, whether in victory or in peril, I thank the Lord. He's still good. He's still God. I rejoice in you, Lord. And my praise is not contingent upon the outcome of my life. Ah. 
My praise is because of you. And the king is in this house. If you need to know why I'm dancing, I'm just dancing because he's the king. And his presence is enough for me. on stand with me and just rejoice in the Lord a little bit here today oh we entreat you mighty God we magnify you mighty king we adore you great savior Lord of hosts Lamb of God